happy Sabbath. I am so excited, nervous, anxious, and all kinds of things up here. Um, anytime I speak, I preach the word of God. Some people say, well, you don't get nervous. I do. Because of that fact, I am going to share the word of God. And um, we're living in some interesting days. And a lot of people are living in fear. A lot of people don't know what to do, don't know what to believe. And I think it's time for the church to shine like never before and, and help people to understand that Jesus is the answer and that we need to be in the word more than ever. And that is what really my message is going to be about the, today, the Sabbath. And I want to pray again for the Holy Spirit to use me in a special way this morning. Can we do that? Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I humbly come before you asking that you use me in a powerful way this morning, Lord. I need you. Your church needs you. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes open to the times that we are living in. Help us to have an open heart and mind so that we can receive your truth. Thank you, Lord. And we ask that you guide my thoughts always, Lord and that this will be a blessing to everyone here. In the name of Jesus, amen. So um, I'm visiting from the Three Angels Cape Coral Church, uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I'm not here alone. I have my friends with me, Jean and Karen, and then um, Marilyn is visiting us from Uchi Pines Institute. I don't know if you know where that's at, but it's in Alabama. And I'm um, so glad that she could be with us here also. And I have my sister with me also. That's wonderful. Again, um, we have a friend that's also visiting with us. Lacheka. I hope I said that right. See? We have, I mean, we got to forgive each other. <laughs> so I'm excited that they were, they're here also to join us. Amen? We're going to open our Bibles up to this. Uh, it's going to be Matthew chapter 24, a very well-known chapter. Right? Um, I'm sure that most of us have read this chapter, and I just want to pinpoint some very important verses. And, um, yes, sorry. Okay, can you go back one second? Okay, thank you. Okay, so it's uh, Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to read quickly just verses 1 through 14, and then 23 through 27, and then I'm going to point out some things that I think are super important, especially in the times that we're living in. So we're going to read 24, 1 through 14. And we know that this chapter is, it talks about the end times, but it's also talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, right? So there's a dual application in, these, in this chapter, right? And let's start with the first verse. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Now here the disciples ask several questions. And they ask, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So these questions are about the destruction of Jerusalem, but then they extend, these questions are extending all the way to when? Till the end of time, right? And then 
Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, that see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures till the end shall be saved. Amen? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now let's read 23 through 27. It says, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to what? Deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you there beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. We've read this probably many times, right? Most of us, okay. I want to point out some things here. The disciples asked questions. And right after the disciples asked the questions, Jesus says right away after that, what does he say to them? No, go back. We're going to stay right on that um, blue. Yes, right there. The first thing Jesus says when he answers their question is what? Take heed. Right? They're asking about, oh, what, when is this stuff going to happen? Da, 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 da. And he answers, take heed that no one, what? Deceives you. Now, take heed means to pay attention, to take notice. So he tells them, you have to take notice, you have to pay attention, you have to be alert that no one deceives you. That's what he says right away. And interesting that it says, take heed that no one deceives you, and it also says, will deceive many. Letting us know that there's a reason why he's saying, pay attention, be alert. Many will be deceived because they're not what? They're not taking heed. They're not paying attention. You understand? And then another point, verse 5, many, again, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and, and deceive many. It just, it shocks me because it's in the word of God. It's in the word of God and it just shocks me that still the word that we see there is many will be deceived. Even though it is in the word of God. So there's a problem then, right? There's a problem and the problem is that many are not in the word. You see? Many are not in the word. So here we go. Uh, verse 11. Many false prophets will rise and deceive many. Verse 24. Again, the word deceive. In the, just this chapter, 24, we, if you read it carefully, you count how many times Jesus mentions the word deceive in just one chapter. 
And if I'm correct, he, he, he says it, he mentions it four times. Deceive, 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 deceive. Many. Verse 24, deceive, if possible, who? The elect. Verses 23 and 26 says, look, look, look. Talking about what? The false Christ, right? If they say, look here or look over there, don't go. Because what's going to happen if you do? You will be deceived. And then verse 27, I just threw, uh, I mean, yeah, I just threw that in there a little bit with Revelation chapter 1, uh, verse 7. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 talks to us about the second coming. And it explains important things that we need to understand to not be what again? Deceived. There are many voices pulling people in different directions. Can we say that's true? Many voices. And some people go to the internet for answers. They go online. Some people, they go on YouTube. They watch what this person's saying. They watch what that person's saying. This prophet is saying this. That prophet is saying that. Some people go on Facebook. And they look for information and answers there. Doubt. Confusion. Why? Why is this happening? Why are we confused? Not only the people out there that are not believers, but within our church, many are confused. Many are doubting. Why? What if instead of looking for answers here, those things, we look for answers here in the word of God? I know that sounds very basic, I, right? I mean, we're Christians. We're Seventh-day Adventists. Of course, we know we're supposed to look for answers there. But there's something that's happening. We are being distracted. And it's very simple. Come back to the word of God. The word of God. Our source of truth. What does the Bible say? Right? And I'm not standing up here saying that you can't listen to amazing pastors like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to list anybody, but you know what I mean. You have your pastors that you listen to that are amazing, that are great. And, of course, I have a list of pastors that I listen to, too. But I need to have a relationship with Christ myself, and I need to have a relationship with Christ through his word myself. Correct? Because not everyone that stands up here is going to always say the truth. And I know that's a little... I don't know, maybe that makes some, some people uncomfortable. But in every church, the enemy is infiltrating because he wants to distract us. He doesn't want us to get ready. He wants us to believe the false messages, the false prophets, the false preachers, the false teachers. Do we understand? And we are getting closer and closer to the end, to the beautiful second coming of Christ. And do you think the enemy is not going to infiltrate wherever he can to deceive we have to be in the word. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, another verse that we should know by heart. It says, to the law and what? And the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So again, this verse is, what is it doing? It's pointing us, this verse is pointing us to the word. This is how we're going to know if there's light in them. This is how we're going to understand if something is true or it's false. And you know what? This is what's going to help us to not get deceived, right? Of course. 
through the word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Can we say that this world right now is in darkness? Are we living in dark days? Very well-known verse, correct? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Acts chapter 20, verse 29. I know I have it up there, but if you want to look it up in your own Bible, that's, that's fine. <coughs> we just read this. Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. If you listen carefully when our sister um, read these verses, it really opens up our eyes to understand how important it is that we have a communion with God every single day, that we are living a, a lives of prayer, and that we're in the word. Listen to this. For I know that after my departure, now look, look at the language that's being used here. Savage wolves will come in, what? Among you. Wow. Not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things. To what? To draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, what? Watch. Take heed. Do you see that? Watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Soon the time of trouble will be upon us and our only safeguard from Satan's deceptions will be the scriptures. How important is it then that we are in the word? And, you know, again, it's basic. We know that we're supposed to be in the word. And only you can answer if you are in the word enough time of in, in your day, if you're really, really in the word, and if you're getting ready. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you read the scriptures and if you read the wonderful book, The Great Controversy, you're going to understand that it's only going to get worse. I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to help you understand what I feel like God has helped me understand, that we need to come to Jesus, and we need to be in the word, because we won't, we won't make it if we're not clinging on to Jesus. This is serious. There's going to be a time of trouble as never was. Where's that at? In, in, these, in um, Daniel, right? The book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 1. Talks about a time of trouble as never was. You go down in history, you look at all the things that have happened in this world. Can you imagine worse things than the things that this, this planet has, has witnessed, has, uh, has seen? Just think about it. Let's read it. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And this is talking about when Michael stands up, right? And who's Michael? Jesus, right? And when Jesus stands up in this chapter, this is talking about the close of probation. That means once he stands up, 
and he leaves the, the most holy place, there is no more opportunity. Grace has ended. Probation has closed. It says verse 1, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. What book is that? What book is that? The book of life, right? Who wants to be in the book of life? Who wants to stay in the book of life? Amen. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? What am I doing with my time? We have to think about this stuff. We have to examine our lives. Are we spending enough time with Christ? Are we allowing other things to distract us? You know, for many years, and I still struggle with it, and I just I, I have to say the truth up here. That's all I can do. For many years, and I still struggle with it, I was being distracted with church. I've been a leader for many years. I've had positions and, and everything. I've been in the board, all that stuff. Okay, okay, that's great, wonderful. We all have to work together. We should be working together and all those things, right? It's, it's a beautiful thing. We have a church. We have to have organization and everything. Okay, I love to sing. My whole family, we sing. We play instruments and everything. Yes, worship. Yes, we're worship leaders. Great. But if those things are distracting me from having a relationship with Christ, I need to be careful. Because I'm not going to be saved because I sing really pretty. Right? I can sing. Okay. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Right? I can sing. Wow, great. But if I am not in the word, but if I'm not having a relationship with Christ, do we understand what I'm saying this morning? In the word, because if not, we will be deceived. And I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. I, the same thing I said when I preached it at my church. Don't know how many times I have to say, we have to be in the word. We have to be in the word. But it's what God has put in my heart, not just for this church but he's put in my heart for several months already that I need to preach this because we're not in the word as we should. What are we doing with our time? Great controversy, page 593. Listen to these words. <laughs> the people of God are directed to the scriptures as what? Their safeguard. Their safeguard. Against the influence of what? false teachers and the delusion of delusion, delusive power of spirits of darkness. Satan employs every possible device to prevent men from obtaining a knowledge of the Bible. Look at that. He's doing anything possible, everything possible to stop people from reading the scriptures for it's plain utterances reveal what? There you go. So if you're in the word and you're having a relationship with Christ and you're submitting, because I'm going to explain all that, you're submitting on a daily basis, right? You're surrendering to God. You're allowing him to transform you from the inside out. If you're receiving the early rain, 
and that's through prayer and reading the scriptures, right? Then you will not be deceived because God will not let you be deceived because you have a relationship with God. Isn't that simple? I mean, it's, I know there's distractions. That's the thing. That's where it comes in. There's a lot of distractions that stop us from having that relationship. We have to fight for it. This is a time when we should be putting to the test every belief we have accepted as truth and bring them to the, to, to the light of the Holy Scriptures. That's what we should be doing. Because a lot of times, I've been in church since I was five, right? I grew up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I came to a point where I had to ask myself, because that's what God does, right? He, he makes us look at ourselves and say, wait a minute, am I in the church because I was brought up in the church and this is all I know? Or do I, and, and do I really know why we believe the Sabbath, the sanctuary, the state of the dead this way? And da, 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 da. Every single thing that we believe, it can't be because, for example, my husband knows this stuff. Well, you know, he says it's the truth. So, must be. So, I'm living through his relationship with Christ then. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or the, the, the Sabbath school teacher says this is true. Or the pastor or the preacher. We have to search these things for ourselves. Underst and, and, and everybody can understand these things. Can I say that this morning? Did you know that? All of us can understand these things because who gives you the wisdom? God, the Holy Spirit. So all you have to do is open scripture and say, Lord, I need to understand these things. Send someone that can explain it to me. Send me a Bible worker. Send me somebody and help me to see this. I want to know the truth. All of us can understand this and we need to understand these things. This is a time when we should be putting to the test every belief we have accepted as truth and bring them to the light of the Holy Scriptures. The events connected with the close of probation and the work of preparation for the time of trouble are clearly presented. They're clearly presented. But then look at the next verse, or the next um, um, uh, sentence. But multitudes have no more understanding of these important truths than if they had never been revealed. Satan watches to catch away every impression that would make them wise unto salvation. And the time of trouble will find them unready. Did we understand that paragraph? I think it's clear. So these things are clearly presented in the word. But multitudes don't understand it. These important truths that have been revealed. And Satan is watching to catch away every impression it says that would make them wise unto salvation and and what's the problem with this well there will be a time when probation will close do we see that the time of trouble will find them unready they will not be prepared for what's coming when god sends to men warnings so important that they are represented as proclaimed by holy angels flying in the midst of heaven what what message is this what is that message that it's talking about? And just in that beginning part, the three angels message. Good, good. Yes. The three angels message. When God sends to men warnings so important that they are represented as proclaimed by holy angels flying in the midst of heaven, he requires every person endowed with reasoning powers to heed the message. Shouldn't we? 
Yes. Heed the message. Pay attention. The fearful judgments denounced against the worship of the beast and his image, Revelation 14, 9 through 11, should lead all to a diligent study of what? The prophecies. To learn what the mark of the beast is and how they are to avoid receiving it. And when we talk about studying the prophecies, we don't study the prophecies so that other people can think we're smart. We don't study the prophecy so we can like, you know, show off and be like, yeah, I know what the beast is. And da, da, da. We don't study the prophecies or teach it to scare people. The prophecies, we study them to get closer to God. They, they bring us to Christ if they're presented the right way. They bring us to Christ because we, when we see those things that are going to happen, we're going to realize that we need him and without him, we can't make it. Right? Testimonies to ministers and gospel workers, page 112 through 113. There is need of a much closer study of what? The word of God. Especially should Daniel and Revelation have attention as never before. The light that Daniel received from God was given especially for these last days. Instruction has been given. This is what we should be studying. Let us read and study the 12th chapter of Daniel. We just read the first verse. It is a warning that we shall all need to understand before the time of the end. The unfulfilled predictions of the book of Revelation are soon to be fulfilled. This prophecy is now to be studied with diligence by the people of God and should be clearly understood. It does not conceal the truth. It clearly forewarns, telling us what will be in the future. How many people do you know are asking the question, what's going to happen? What's happening and what's going to happen in the future? I know a whole lot of people. Isn't that the question that people are asking? What in the world is going on? And is there hope? Is there hope for the future? And we're, we're reading that the Bible tells us what's going to happen. So if we read the word of God diligently, prayerfully, then we're going to be ready. We're going to understand what's going to happen. And that means that all these people that are searching for answers in all the wrong places, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, this prophet, that prophet, and they're confused and they're scared, if they only knew or if they only really understood that they, all they need to do is be in the word, just come to Christ. The solemn messages that have been given in their order in the revelation are to occupy the what? The first place in the minds of God's people. This is what we need to be thinking about. There are many who do not understand the prophecies relating to these days. Is that true? In all, you, you have friends, you have coworkers, they have no idea what's going to happen. They don't understand any of this stuff. We have been blessed that we do. And it says, these are, uh, there are many um, who do not understand the prophecies relating to these days. Did you know that within our church are many that don't understand either? We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of responsibility, right? But God is with us. 
He doesn't want anyone to perish, right? Isn't that what the word says? He doesn't want anyone to perish. We have a job to do. We have to tell everyone, everyone, that the answers are in the word of God. It says here, there are many who do not understand the prophecies relating to these days, and they must be enlightened. Enlightened. It is the duty of both watchmen and laymen. That's all of us. It's not only the pastor, okay? All of us. It is the duty of both watchmen and laymen to give the trumpet a certain sound. Do we know what that means, a certain sound? We need to tell people. Not like this, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, I really believe that. Do you believe it? Because I don't, that doesn't sound like you believe it. Now, I'm not saying you got to be like me, because I'm like this all the time, you guys. I can be playing Parcheesi or something or, you know, or being, you know, with my friends, and I'm always like this. Doesn't mean you have to have the same personality as me to, say, to sound the, the, the trumpet, to, to, to sound the trumpet like, yeah, like we're supposed to. But people should believe what you're saying. You should tell them with passion, even in your own way, and we have to tell them, because if we don't, and if we don't tell them clearly, they're going to be confused, and they're not going to be ready. That's the duty of the church, right? We have a duty to spread the angels, three angels' message to the world. There is a day that God hath appointed for the close of this world's history. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Can we pray for a second? Lord, this message is so important. Please, Lord, don't, don't allow me to get in the way. I need you. Speak through me, Lord. Speak through me and open the hearts of everyone here. Because we know that Jesus is coming soon and we need to be ready. Thank you, Lord. Amen. There is a day that God had appointed for the close of, his, of this world's history. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come. So this message is going to be preached, what? Through, to everyone, correct? And then the end will come. Prophecy is fast fulfilling. We can see that today. More, much more should be said about these tremendously important subjects. The day is at hand when the destiny of souls will be fixed forever. Does that sound urgent? Does that sound important? More than ever, no matter if this pandemic or not, we should all be trying to reach people. Use streaming. That's what we've been doing. I know a lot of churches are doing it. Do what you have to do, but this cannot stop the church. Because more than ever, people need to hear the simple message. Come back to the word. Be in the word. But the masses of the people, can we go back a second? I just want to read that last um, sentence and then we're going to go into this. Thank you. 
The day is at hand when the destiny of souls will be fixed forever. But the masses of the people turn away their ears from hearing the truth and are turned unto fables. The apostle Paul declared, looking down to the last days, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That time has fully come. The multitudes do not want Bible truth. Is that the truth? Yeah. The multitudes, they don't want to hear it. It's, it's incredible. The multitudes do not, want to hear, do not want the Bible truth. Because it what? Here's the reason. Because it interferes with the desires of the sinful world-loving heart. Here we go. That's the reason. And Satan supplies the deceptions which they love. That's dangerous. We have to love truth before anything else. Even if it hurts, even if it makes us uh, feel uncomfortable, correct? We have to love the truth because the truth needs to change us and needs to prepare us. But many times, and not only outside in the world, but in, within our own churches, we have trouble with the truth. We do. It's in our sinful nature. We need to love truth before anything else, above anything else, which is the same thing as just love Christ and what he has told us, what he has left us in the word. But God will have a people, and I love this part, because it talks about all this, the multitudes do not want the Bible truth because it interferes with the desires of the, the sinful and world-loving heart, and Satan supplies its deceptions, which they love. And then it says, but God will have a people upon the earth to maintain what? The Bible. The Bible only as the standard of all doctrines and the basis of all reform. Amazing. The opinions of learned men. Listen to this. The opinions of learned men. The deductions of science. The creeds or decisions of ecclesiastical councils. As numerous and discordant as are the churches which they represent. The voice of the majority, not one nor all of these should be regarded as evidence for or against any point of religious faith. Right? None of those things, none of those things should be evidence, should be regarded as evidence for or against any point of religious faith. Before accepting any doctrine or precept, we should demand a what? A plain, thus saith the Lord in its support. You have to ask the question, what does the Bible say? See, it's simple. I believe this, or someone's telling me, okay, well, what does the Bible say? If we do that with everything that we believe and everything that we hear, then we will be safe. We will not be deceived. We read this, right? The time of trouble as never was. This chapter, chapter 12, verse 1, talks about the faithful people, the ones that are written in the book of the Lamb that will be delivered. The faithful people of God shall be delivered. Those who are written in the book, we know it's the book of the Lamb, right? The book of life. Chapter 12, verse 17, very well-known verse also for us as Seventh-day Adventists, talks about the faithful ones. Who are the faithful ones? How many times have we read this, right? 
And the dragon, who is, who's the dragon? Revelation tells us it's Satan. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And who's the woman? The people of God, right? Yes. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Who what? Keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. None but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. To every soul will come the searching test. Shall I obey God rather than men? The decisive hour is even now at hand. Our feet planted, and I love this language because we're going to go back to chapter 12. Um, yeah, chapter 12 of, of Revelation. Our feet planted on the rock of God's immutable word. Are we prepared to stand firm in defense of the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus? Are we ready? Who are the faithful ones? Let's read this. Okay, yeah, we're going to go into this. It's interesting because it talks about the law of God. What does the Bible say about the law? And this is just going to be really quick. What does the Bible say about the law? What's interesting, when you read all these verses, you notice that the law is good. The law is holy. The law is perfect. The law is pure, just, true, spiritual, righteous, faithful, love. The law is unchangeable, everlasting. But isn't it interesting that what the law is, God is. God is good. Amen? God is holy. God is perfect, pure, just, true, spiritual, righteous, faithful, love. God is unchangeable. God is everlasting. And when we see that, when we see that, now we understand that the law is simply the reflection of God's character. That's what it is. And then you go into prophecy and you understand the spirit of persecution. Why the devil was enraged, right? The dragon was enraged with the woman, right? Now we are going to understand Revelation 12, 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. Satan was enraged with the people of God and went war to make, um, to make war with the rest, with the remnant of her offspring who keep the commandments of God, who have the character of Christ, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, the spirit that led, and we understand this, the spirit that led people long ago to persecute the church, the true church, will lead to similar efforts against those who maintain their loyalty to God. This will happen again. We know this, right? But this is the reason why the enemy is so angry with the church. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with a moon under her feet, and on her head, a garland of 12 stars. I'm not going to talk about the garland on her head, but I do want to point out that she was clothed with um, the sun. Now, what does the sun represent in the book of Revelation? <clears throat> Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Here Jesus is telling us that he is the what? The sun. The sun, the bright and morning star. She's clothed with the character of Christ. You see that? She's clothed with the character of Christ. So Satan is enraged with the people of God because she represents Christ in character, right? What does the moon represent? We read something in that other quote that I said, pay attention to that quote because it talked about being, that the, the, the people of God will have their feet planted firm on the word of God. 
right? We as Seventh-day Adventists, when we study prophecy, we understand that the moon represents your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, right? And then Jesus said, and this is really interesting because we know that the moon does not have light in itself, right? It reflects the light of the sun. So the moon reflects the sun. And it's interesting because just like the moon reflects the sun, Jesus said what? You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which what? Testify of me. Reflect me. So just like the moon gives testimony of the sun, the word of God gives testimony of Jesus Christ. And this woman that represents the God's people has the character of Christ and standing firm on the word of God. So Satan is enraged. Listen to this. God has given us his word that we may become acquainted with its teachings and know for ourselves, because we need to understand these things for ourselves, what he requires of us. When the lawyer came to Jesus with the inquiry, what shall I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? The Savior referred him to what? To the scriptures, saying, what is written in the law? How readest thou? Again, pointing us to what? To the word. Ignorance will not excuse young or old, nor release them from the punishment due for the transgression of God's law. I, when I read this, me personally, I'm not offended. I thank God for that. I don't get angry. When I read this stuff, it brings me almost to tears because I see God's love. He's not sugarcoating it for us, people. He loves his church. He loves us. So he, through the spirit of prophecy, this beautiful gift, and through the word, he's telling us, this is how we need to live. Cling to me because without me, you won't be able to reflect my character and you won't be ready. Ignorance will not excuse young or old, nor release them from the punishment due for the transgression of God's law because there is in their hands a faithful presentation of that law and its principles and claims. It is not enough, and listen to this, it is not enough to have good intentions. Wow. It is not enough to have good, have good intentions. It is not enough to do what a man thinks is right or what the minister tells him is right. His soul's salvation is at stake, and he should search the scriptures for himself. I don't have anything to add to that. I think that's clear, right? Amazing. However strong may be his convictions, however confident he may be that the minister knows what is truth, this is not his foundation. It cannot be what another person has studied, what another person thinks, cannot be your foundation. He has a chart pointing out every waymark on the heavenward journey, and he ought not to guess at anything. Now, if someone else study for me, for example, if my husband studies for me, and he tells me that this is the truth, is that the same thing as me being in the word and studying it for myself? It can never be. It can never be. It's like, for example, my dad, one, one time he was preaching, and he mentioned such a great illustration. I hope I don't butcher it because I'm, so, I'm really bad with illustration, you guys. I am horrible with illustrations. 
but he gave a good illustration. He said, if I sit down and I read a book about swimming, right? And it tells me how I need to, <clears throat> reading it and how I need to move my arms and how I need to move my legs and this and that. And, and it tells me all, everything about swimming. And close the book and that's it. I never get in the water. Did I learn how to swim? You have to get wet. You have to jump in there, right? You have to move your legs and move your arms and actually do the swimming. And then you'll realize how you really do it, right? Well, I can't just, I can't just listen to my husband tell me the truth. I have to actually get in there and I have to study these things for myself. I have to get in there. Do you understand? It is the first and highest duty of every rational being to learn from the scriptures what is truth and then to walk in the light. See, see how important it is? It's not only that you read it and study it, you actually have to walk according to what the scriptures are saying. Amazing. And then to walk in the light and encourage others to follow his example. Right there in just that sentence is our mission. Correct? Yeah, to learn from the scriptures what is truth. Okay? So I have a devotion every morning and, and every night, and I'm reading and I'm studying and I'm, and I'm in the word with, and, and I'm, I'm praying to God. And then I have to walk in the light. That's giving a testimony, right? I'm obeying. I'm submitting. I'm, I'm living a Christ-like life. I'm being a Christian, right? And then it says, and encourage others to follow his example. So there you go, witnessing. Our whole mission is just in that sentence. We should day by day study the Bible diligently, weighing every thought and comparing scripture with scripture, with divine help, with divine help. Because sometimes we feel like I need to do this all on my own and I don't understand. And With divine help, God wants us to understand these things. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, right? So God will help us. We should day by day study the Bible diligently, weighing everything. Okay, and then it says, with divine help, we are to form our opinions for ourselves as we are to answer for ourselves before God. Amen. I read this a while back, and then I presented this at my church, and I just think it's just, what's going to happen is going to be so terrible. I'm telling you, this, there's a reason why God is speaking in this church right now about this. And I say God because if it were for me, I'd be running. I'd be running out of here. No, I would because I get so nervous and I, and I sweat and everything. But God, I believe, is trying to give us a message. Be in the word because what's coming is not going to be easy. False Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. And we're going to read why it's not possible. And when we read why it's not possible, we're going to understand that it's going to be impossible if we're not connected to Christ. This is the spirit of prophecy. Now listen, as the crowning act in the great drama of deception. Now for those of you that don't know, Satan is going to impersonate Christ. Okay? He's going to pretend that he's Christ. And going to deceive many. And this is a description about that moment. As a crowning act in the great drama of deception, Satan himself will, will personate Christ. The church has long professed to look to the Savior's advent to the consummation of her hopes. Right? Isn't that what most of us Christians are waiting for? 
The second coming of Christ. Wow, that's what we're waiting for, and we should be waiting for that. But look at what's, what's, what, what it says. Now the great deceiver will make it appear that Christ has come. In different parts of the earth, Satan will manifest himself among men as a majestic being of dazzling brightness, resembling the description of the Son of God, of Jesus, given by John in the book of Revelation. The glory that surrounds him is unsurpassed by anything that mortal eyes have yet beheld. So when this happens, we have never seen anything like it. The shout of triumph rings out upon the air. Christ has come. Christ has come. Can you just imagine? People think it's Christ. And who is it? It's Satan. The people prostrate themselves in adoration before him while he lifts up his hands and pronounces a blessing upon them as Christ blessed his disciples when he, when he was upon the earth. His voice is soft and subdued, yet full of melody. In gentle, compassionate tones, he presents some of the, the same gracious heavenly truths which the Savior uttered. He heals the diseases of the people. And then, in Satan's last day deception, his character, his, his assumed character of Christ, he claims to have changed what? The Sabbath to Sunday and commands all to hallow the day which he has blessed. In scripture, but you, but you have, you know, I mean, in scripture, it shows us from beginning to end in the Old and the New Testament that there is a day of rest, correct? A day of rest. And that day of rest is what? The seventh day Sabbath. And here comes Satan, personating Christ and says that it was changed. Now it's really interesting because I, <clears throat> growing up in the church, I've always heard like people say, for example, I'm going to know, I'm going to know that that's not Christ because once he says, and of course we need to know that, right? Because we need to hear and we're going we're gonna to see the inconsistencies if we're in the word, right? And that's how we're going to know that that's not Christ because of the inconsistencies, because of the lies that are going to come out. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Satan is going to personate Christ. And the way he's going to do it, if you were not in the word and not submitting to God on a daily basis, receiving the early rain, the Holy Spirit, those things that you thought were going to be just signs for you to understand, they're going to go out the window. Because it can't just be words. Or it can't just be something I just kind of heard. You have to have an encounter with Christ every single day. Be with him in the word. Pray. So that when this happens, your eyes don't deceive you. And because you know what, how we are. We see something and we'll believe it. And this is going to be something that we have never seen before. It's going to be incredible. People all over the place. Maybe people that you even know are going to prostrate themselves before him. Going to say, that's Christ. And you know it's not. And then you got to stand firm in the truth. But if you're not standing firm now, how can you stand firm then? If you're not faithful now, if I'm not faithful now, Alexandra, how can I be faithful then? He claims to have changed the Sabbath to Sunday and commands all to hallow the day which he has blessed. 
Satan sees that he is about to lose his case. He cannot sweep in the whole world. Now listen to this. I love this. He cannot sweep in the whole world. He makes one last desperate effort to overcome the faithful by deception. Why can't he sweep the whole world? Because there are a people who are standing firm on the word, who are reflecting the character of Jesus, who have allowed God to transform them, and they will not be swept away. I want to be those people. We all have struggles. We all are, are tempted and are struggling so many things in our lives. But Christ, Christ gives us the power to overcome. And he is a source of power. And he is a source of knowledge. He is the answer. And unless we come to him, we will be deceived. That is the message. Be in the word. He does this in impersonating Christ. We talked about this. He clothes himself with the garments of royalty, which has, have been accurately described in the vision of John. See, he's not dumb. He knows what he's doing. Look at that. Did you hear that? He clothes himself with the garments of royalty, which have been accurately described in the vision of John. He has power to do this. He will appear to his deluded followers, the Christian world who, who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What's unrighteousness? Transgression of the law. As Christ coming the second time. They're going to believe that this is Christ coming for the second time. He proclaims himself Christ and he is believed to be Christ, a beautiful, majestic being clothed with majesty and with a soft voice and pleasant words with glory, unsurpassed by anything their mortal eyes have yet beheld. Then his deceived, deluded followers set up a shout of victory. Christ has come, has come the second time. Christ has come. He has lifted up his hands just as he did when he was upon the earth and blesses us. Just imagine. Now listen to this. The saints look on with amazement. These are the faithful ones. Will they also be deceived? Will they worship Satan? Angels of God are about them. Praise the Lord. Angels of God are about them. A clear, firm, musical voice is heard. Look up. If it weren't for God, they would have been deceived. That was, that's what that means. That's what that means. When we read it here, many were deceived. And then it talks about if it were possible, the very elect, if it weren't for God sending his angels and telling them, that's not me, that's not Jesus, look up. But if you do not look up now, You'll not, you will not look up then. You understand? If you do not look up now, you will not look up then. And what does that mean? How do we look up now? How do we look up now? Notwithstanding this so well, he, will he counterfeit righteousness that if it were possible, he would deceive the very elect. Crowned heads, presidents, rulers in high places will bow to his false theories. 
The last great delusion is soon to open before us, Antichrist is to perform his marvelous works in our sight. I'm almost done, I promise. So closely will be the counterfeit, listen, so closely will be the counterfeit resemble the true that it will be impossible to distinguish between them except, except by what? The Holy Scriptures. By their testimony, every statement and every miracle must be tested because there will be a lot of miracles be, are, are gonna be performed, right? A lot of miracles are gonna be performed. Tested by what? By the word of God. Again, by the word of God. If you do not look up now, you will not look up then. How do you look up now? By looking in. By looking in, right? The word of God. Go to God for yourselves. Pray for divine enlightenment that you may know that you do know what is truth. That when the wonderful miracle working power shall be displayed and the enemy shall come as an angel of light, you may distinguish between the genuine work of God and the imitative work of the powers of darkness. You will know what is true and what is false if you are in the word. Amen? And I finish with this last quote. Look up, look up, and let your faith continually increase. Let this faith guide you along the narrow path that leads through the gates of the city into the great beyond, the wide, unbounded future of glory that is for the redeemed. God bless you this morning. I hope that you were blessed with this message. It's not easy to stand up here and speak the truths that God has given me, but I have to do it. And I hope you were blessed. I hope that it refocuses you if you weren't focused as much. Like, I know I, know, I, know I need God more. I know I need to spend time with God more than what I have been. And um, Jesus is coming soon. Let's get ready, okay? Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord. You are so merciful. You are so loving. You have given us these truths in your word. And you have given us the gift of prophecy, Lord. And we just love you so much for it. Please forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have ignored your voice. Please forgive us when, for the times that we have allowed other things to get in the way. We need you. Continue to speak to us, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you do for us. And I just ask that everyone here We'll come out of this church being feeling blessed and, and focusing again in your word, Lord. Sometimes I just can't even speak because I just know in all of us that study these things, we know that what's coming, Lord, is not going to be easy. But if we cling to you, we have hope and we will be saved. We will stay in that book of life. Thank you, Lord, so much for listening to our prayer. And I ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.